This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCute, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Welcome back to the Good Things Guy podcast. Uh, This week is a second chapter of a first show that you've never heard. We recorded a show last year with four incredible women that are going on an amazing journey, have been, are going through, and are going to take us through that amazing journey of fertility in South Africa. There's a lot of policies that don't agree with fertility and don't help fertility. Our medical aids are not helping in that regard. And there's a lot of women that are going through a lot of challenges that may need a support group like this. The first time I had them in studio, some of them were strangers. Um, That was last year. And this time, I can tell you that they've really become friends. They're working on a show together. A not show like a big show on theater. It's a great show that's coming together to talk about fertility and help other women that are going through these issues. But last year, we had a couple of um, gremlins inside our computers, and I may have lost the show. So this is me on my hands and knees coming back. I've brought the four ladies back into studio today. Tash, Lutzia. Michelle and Saskia are here to talk about what fertility means in this country, where the medical aids stand, and how we find some good things in between all of that, as well as this, I can't call it a show, it's an expo that's coming to South Africa in March, if I've got my dates right, and they're going to give us more information about that. Ladies, welcome back to the Good Things Guy Jackpot. Thanks, Brenty. Thank you for having us. Yeah, everybody's all smiles today. I thought that you'd be here with daggers and clipboards. Um, <laughs> we have clipboards. <laughs> yeah, last last year, I just think uh, the end of the year was really crazy. And, and definitely for us, I had you in studio for a good 45 minutes to an hour. And we had so many great things that we said. And I feel like we need to do it again. Mm, yeah. It needs to be discussed. But as I was saying before we pushed um, the record button, what's really nice is that recently, Jules from Good Luck took on medical aids Mm. about the policies when it comes to breast reduction. And why that matters in a conversation like this is because she brought up the statement that said medical aids and their policies are quite archaic. Mm. They, They sort of wrote these policies years and years and years ago and they've just sort of kept to them and they haven't really looked at how maybe people have evolved and how situations have evolved. And you know, in South Africa and the world, and you're going to give me stats, Saskia, I'm sure you, you've got all the stats written down in loads, on what the, the current state is of uh, maybe the world or South Africa of women that are battling to fall pregnant. But the reality in South Africa is that you guys are not covered. Mm. No. 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 Okay, so Tasha's, Tasha's got the mic at the moment. She's holding <laughs> it. Um, we'll, we'll give a bit of an introduction. So Tashi is a really good friend of mine. known her for years and years and years. And we do, I mean, we jaw together and we spend time together and we uh, help each other when it comes to business. She's an incredible entrepreneur. But Tashi, about... I'm going to get the dates wrong now. About nine months ago, you got quite tragic news, right? Yeah, it was actually, it was a little bit more recent than that. Um, To just give you a little bit of background. So my background is I suffer from severe endometriosis. I've had a couple of ops. And kind of as life goes on, you go through periods of your life where, okay, we're going to try for a baby and you're in that place to do that and it didn't happen for me. And then you put it on the back burner. And long story short, kind of leading up to the end of last year, I got some fairly devastating news that my 
egg supply is dwindling. Um, I'm a healthy woman, but it's just a fact of life. Um, and uh, and I was told I need to harvest eggs sooner rather than later. So I started going down that process. And obviously, naturally, the very first thing that I did, because I'm a nice girl who likes to follow process, um, I contacted my medical aide. And my medical aide is by up until this point, my own definition and through their own marketing sort of speak the best in the country, the most progressive and it's discovery. And I gave them a call um, to discuss exactly this. This is the process I've got to go through and these are the anticipated costs to harvest your eggs. You're looking at about 60,000 rand and that's just an estimate. It can be more. And I was told three times and I have it in writing quite firmly, discovery medical aid scheme does not pay for this. And the wording of the letter that I received was inferred that if something like this were to be covered, anything to do with fertility, really, it would make the scheme unsustainable. Tash, was that quite daunting? I mean, you, you've yes. just you've just heard this news. You phoned your medical provider because you you want the support that you've been paying for, and then you get a big fat no. Well, it was it was devastating for once of a better way of putting it because I pay over three and a half thousand rand a month. I'm not on a bottom rung coverage scheme. I'm on a really, really good one. Classic saver. It's middle of the road. Most people are on that kind of thing. I make my payments. I've been a Discovery Health member for years and years. And these are the moments when you want that support. Have you, have you, okay, so you said you've been on Discovery for a couple of years. Have you done any big claims in the last couple of years? No, I've been a Discovery Medical Aid member since I started working. So what was that? I'm 36 now. Oh, she's giving away her age. Since I am, I am, you know. Since I was about 22, I've been a medical aid. And never claimed big sort of... Never had massive things other than the standard. If you get admitted to hospital, you know, when I went in for my endometriosis ops, there's a portion of that that's covered. And then you find out what's not, and then you discover gap cover. But the reality is, is I haven't had anything major. I'm not a sickly person. Yeah, I'm just not. But medical aid is there to cover you in the moments that you need it. And you know when that's I what, that's what we'd hope for. Exactly. And I think the second most shocking thing was when I found this out, and I got this in writing from them, and I had these discussions with. Um, call it the claims and advice practitioners who, who manage the call center, I actually asked for a recording of the call. I wanted a recording. I wanted to get it on record because it is my right. It's my voice. And they say the calls are recorded. And it took me over two weeks to get some kind of acknowledgement. And again, I, got, I remember this. I got sent a very formal legal disclaimer that says that if I get given a copy of the recording, and I would have had to have signed this document, which I didn't, that I would agree that the recording remains confidential and proprietary to Discovery Health. And my argument is, is if you've got nothing to hide and everything is so open and wonderful, why on earth does my own voice and the, the advice that I'm being given it's very sad because, be because I would have loved to have played that recording mm. and, and to just sort of hear the conversation between you and this person or these people because you went through a couple of people in the call center mm. each time who had no clue how to deal with your request. Well, one person didn't even, when I said, oh, is anything to do with fertility? She's, she called it fidelity. Harvest. Oh, well, yeah. That and also I said IVF, um, you know, artificial insemination, all the, I had to actually tell the woman what artificial insemination was. I was like, are you actually kidding me? Well, the fact that they didn't even know what half but the that, fertility I mean, struggles that really just comes down to the fact that um, they don't have even they haven't even brought up the policies or the procedures to deal with this internally mm. so not even about um, how do we approach this subject as a medical aid mm. to help women they haven't even trained call center staff to deal with the questions no, and and the thing is, is it's not on their radar you would never if if i had called in with an oncology inquiry if i had cancer 
I guarantee you they are trained to deal with the trauma associated with that. I mean, that's the irony. On Discovery's website, they've got articles that talk about how if you have been diagnosed and you need to go down the treatment plan if you've got cancer, how it could affect your fertility. They talk about it, but they're not doing anything. And I think that's what sort of all of us coming together, you know, Saskia's got some incredible stats, but... For me, as someone who's going through this, no one chooses this. No, of course You not. don't choose it. I haven't abused my body. It is not hereditary. It is not something you choose. For me, so, right, I'm a guy. Um, we can put that out there immediately. It's what I, uh, it's what I acknowledge <laughs> and I associate myself with. So I, I can't put myself in the same shoes of what any of you are going through, been through, or deal with. And we're going to get into some of that right now. But what I can do, what I can do is give you a platform to speak about it. A lot of our listeners are women, even men that might be in relationships that are dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Like these are the facts of what is currently happening in South Africa. And, and, and the world. In the world. And I want, I want you to pass the, fo- uh, the phone, <laughs> pass the mic over to Saskia. Because I just want to ask, Saskia, what are some of the stats if we're talking about South Africa? And kind of what are the numbers? When we think about fertility, is it almost like it, it's not going to happen to me? It'll be, it'll be a friend or whatever. What are, no, what are the stats? It's one in six couples, Brent. One in six couples suffer That's from infertility. Harrowing. It's one of the most prevalent diseases amongst people of childbearing age. And they, they um, define childbearing age as between 15 and 45, 48. So between, it's one of the top four diseases in people of that age. You've made it very clear. And the key word that you use there is disease. Yeah. Because it is something that you don't ask for. Nope. It doesn't choose color, race, age, region. It could happen to anyone, one in six. Yep. It's a World Health Organization recognized disease. And it is actually on the list of prescribed minimum benefit diseases, which the Council of Medical Schemes define as a list of benefits to ensure that all medical scheme members have access to certain minimum health benefits, regardless of the benefit option that they have selected. The aim is to provide people with continuous care to improve their health and well-being. There are a set of 270 medical conditions defined on that list. Infertility is one of them, but it is the only one listed on the exclusion list of all open medical aids. There are and med- can you see, aid can you see the look of confusion on my face? Right. Why? How do they get away with excluding a prescribed minimum benefit disease? And that is the question I actually want to put out to all the medical aids. Mm. Why? How do you, and the Council of Medical Schemes for that matter, because they um, monitor them. How do they get away with excluding a prescribed mm. minimum benefit disease? It's actually listed, we were talking earlier, but on, on the list of exclusions is next to willful acts of terrorism. It's list, next to cosmetic surgery. It's next to drug and alcohol abuse. It's listed on the exclusion list. Well, with those, it's categorized with those. And interestingly, what you said about men, because being able to, unable to have children tears relationships apart and it causes depression and anxiety and a feeling of worthlessness and not just in the women. I saw what it did to my husband, you know, when we went through the process. It really affects all of us. I'm going to take my words back because I was actually wrong in saying that. Men are also affected Mm. because some men can't. It's it's it works on yeah. both ways. It's thirty three, thirty three, thirty three, isn't it? Thirty three women, thirty three men, and thirty three unexplained. And the other side to that, and it it brings me back to Jules from Good Luck. But so as a medical provider, I will pay for your back pain, and I will pay for your back operation, but I won't pay for your breast reduction. 
to counter that and stop it. Yeah. This kind of feels like it's in almost the same category because I will pay for your depression, anxiety, yeah. and everything else that comes with the stress yes. of, of not being able to fall pregnant. Exactly. But I won't help you on that path. No. Nope. Lucia, I know you've got a little bit of a cold and you didn't want to talk today, but I love putting you on the spot. <laughs> Thanks, Brent. <laughs> so, I mean, Lucia and Michelle, they started an organization in South Africa, an incredible organization called House of Fertility that is helping women every single day. But Lucia, the reason for you starting this initiative is because of your own journey. That's correct, Brent. Um, so I had cervical cancer a few years ago, and I had to have a full, well, a hysterectomy, leaving one ovary in. After many, many IVFs and um, trying to obviously get the eggs out and store and freeze as many as we can, we went in search of a surrogate, which we did find. But this whole journey was just Really, 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 it was emotionally draining. It was financially draining. It put strain on our relationship. It put strain on absolutely everything. And again, medical aides just weren't prepared to pay for absolutely anything. We do have twin girls today. Happy, healthy. Very happy, healthy um but the journey itself is just, like I said, emotionally draining completely. Have you guys as a, as a family recovered from that journey? Uh, Brent, yes. I mean, we have. At the time, obviously, we had to sell everything we had. So you sell your car, your house. Your, uh, we moved in with my mom. So we moved back to my mom's place. And then slowly, slowly, you, you do recover eventually. But at the time, you just feel it's, it's never ending. It's, and it would, I think uh, at the time when you were going through that journey, it would have been amazing to just have a little bit of support from the people that you give money to every month. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like. Michelle, you, you joined House of Fertility. Yeah. Um, your background, I mean, we've spoken extensively yeah. over dinners and uh, on the last show okay. um, about <laughs> about what you do. Okay. Um, maybe just give top line. I All know right. we don't want to get into the sadness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but what, what do you do? So um, basically, uh, just from my background, I suffered from secondary infertility. Uh, a lot of people didn't even know that that exists. So basically, I fell pregnant very quickly for, with our first. When she was 18 months old, we decided to start trying again. And four years later, we were told there was no medical reason why you weren't falling pregnant. You know, we had got the tests, we'd done everything. And then we were advised to, to go through IVF. And both of us said, There's, we, can't, we can't afford it. And I didn't want to go through that whole emotional turmoil of paying all this money and then getting my period, you know, for four years, every single month getting your period, it's, it's horrific. It's, it's horrible, especially when there's no reason why you're not falling pregnant. My role in House of Fertility is the pregnancy loss and baby loss support. I'm on that side. Today we're focusing on, we're focusing on, on getting yeah, ladies and families pregnant. 100%. But we also define infertility as a pregnancy loss. It still is under that umbrella because every time you go for IVF, you get a negative result. It's still a pregnancy loss. Every time you get your period and you start hoping for that baby, it's a pregnancy loss. It's the loss of your hopes, your dreams, the loss of parenthood. It's, it's still a loss. The good thing 
the good thing. Oh, look at you adding in the yeah. words there. The good thing <laughs> is that we are able to provide that very necessary support. And unfortunately, with pregnancy loss and baby loss, the stats are a little higher than infertility. You're looking at one in four. So one in four, like if you had to look at us four women, one of us has suffered a pregnancy loss or a baby loss. Sorry, um, you don't see that because um, you're obviously listening, but uh, we had hands go up. Yeah, so, uh, and that, yeah. that, that gives me chills. Yeah, it does. Um, another thing is we've also got to remember also with same-sex couples who cannot conceive naturally, that also falls within the infertility and all of that. You know, we give support to those couples as well when they go through a stillbirth, when they go through the negative pregnancy results you know um it's huge it's it's let me, let me very ask important. you then if we if we put it into a space um you work daily with yeah. couples yeah is it harrowing to see the amount of people that it's, are dealing with this challenge it's it's harrowing it's incredibly rewarding to know that you are able to provide that space for people in the darkest hours of their life you know i'd say in the last month we've dealt with two babies now um not and i'm not going to make this sad because if i can just tell you it's a privilege to be in that sacred space with those parents who have lost a child it is you it's indescribable i mean i try and describe it to let's see that that feeling of of absolute pure love you can't you can't beat that it's it's absolutely phenomenal and i think it's wonderful for parents who have lost and have gone through this tragedy to know that there are people out there who are passionate to be able to help them there's something very big in the pipeline which we are hoping to be rolling out in the next year mm-hmm. so which we're very very excited about so we just got to remain positive that that's actually going to happen so from a good thing you yeah. know um think good things are happening from the, that, the bereavement I mean, side of things that, that, that makes me a little bit happier because approaching the subject it's a hard subject to talk about well uh, you don't ever talk about it you know like a minute i mean I often, re- you know, I, it's actually the only books I ever read now just to educate myself. I think everything in this room is all about education and knowledge and empowering yourself as well. And the thing is, when you know that somebody has lost a baby, don't feel uncomfortable to ask them because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Ask them their baby's name. Ask them things about their baby, you know. So just because it makes you uncomfortable, put your feelings aside. That's not about you it's about the person in front of you. So that's that's what I'm very passionate about. And that's the avenue. Yeah, that's the avenue that, Anna, that I'm going to be pursuing. And like I said to Lou the other day, I feel that this is going to be my life's work. Yeah. Tashi, so. I need to ask because when we started this process last year, you'd actually reached out on your social media mm. and you'd sort of put up like a Google, I don't know. One of those survey, survey monkey things. <laughs> yeah. And you'd asked um, if there were any of your girlfriends that mm. were dealing with the same thing, which is quite interesting because Michelle says that people don't talk about this, right? Yeah. So you, you are very talkative. <laughs> I am. I've spent to, a lot of time with you. to get me to shut up. I've spent a lot of time with you. But um, you're very talkative. So you have a lot of girlfriends and you guys sit around mm. and you chat and you catch up. And you didn't actually know that there were so many of your girlfriends mm. dealing with the same thing. No, you're 100% right. And if I can just build on what Michelle was saying when she was speaking about the loss of a baby, 
when you are put in a position where you're told you have to choose whether you're willing to give up that dream of being a mother, which is exactly what my medical aid was asking me to do, like harvest eggs now, do this now at this massive exorbitant cost that you can't afford to do, or that's it. You're running out of time. You're going to have to give up that dream of doing it, call it the, the traditional way. And I really wasn't, I wasn't ready to. And um, yes, I got to be in my bonnet. And you're absolutely right. People don't, I'm not saying everyone has to be like me. Putting, you know, coming out there and talking about what you've been through, it's not for everyone. You know, the same that Lucia has done and everyone in this room. But you, if you're going to be the one that talks allow other people to have a voice through you. So I put up this survey, very simple, and it was entirely anonymous. And I literally had it up for a week. It was in the lead up to our last interview late last year. And there were a couple of key things that really jumped out at me where I was like, I'm glad I did this. Number one, the volume of DMs that I got. Now I'm talking about some people that I hadn't spoken to for 15 years from around the world, from Germany to Australia to Dubai. Girls that I knew, some that I hadn't spoken to for ages saying, this is what we went through. This is how we felt. Friend in Zimbabwe. Just everyone wanting to be a part of, oh my gosh, someone's spoken up, let's give her support, let's tell our story. And then in terms of the anonymous responses, there were a couple of key questions asked. I wanted to get a sense of, firstly, what medical aids was everyone part of? Secondly, the kind of expenditure that couples, because this wasn't only aimed at women. I mean, I've got a close friend who both of them are going through it, the husband and the wife. They've both got fertility issues. And exactly to Saskia's point, this is traumatic for guys. You know, my other half who is incredibly supportive he's amazing he's got award-winning sperm sorry love. <laughs> sorry love not everyone knows but you know he has been so great with his award-winning sperm you know he's seen me i'm having to inject myself every morning in the process that i'm going through to fatten up these freaking eggs of mine um, and he's just been incredible but it take it takes a toll because you just want to be there for your partner and something that came out through the survey firstly the majority of people have spent well over a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand Rand on a process that, by the way, doesn't have an end point yet. This is just my journey to date. This is what I've spent. That was the most common in excess of so 100,000. So, sorry, just so that I can elaborate, 100 to 150,000 Rand, and we haven't even gotten to a point where we know if we're but pregnant. You yet. don't have a baby, or you haven't gotten to a point where you know what's wrong and what needs to be done. So, if I speak to myself personally on the whole egg harvesting journey, just in the last three months, I've spent almost 30,000 Rand. Now, before the medical aides can jump up and say this is what medical savings accounts are for, nonsense. My medical savings account for an entire year is 9,874 Rand. That has been obliterated we are sitting on the 13th of feb it kicked in from the first of jan that's done that's been used um everything out of that because it's not just the visits to your gynae your fertility expert it's all the meds i mean just on a scan an appointment and six injections it was 6,100 rand. These guys are not overcharging. They're specialists. This is not a cheap thing to go through. So, you know, firstly, the, the volume of money people are having to spend. Secondly, the fact that not a single person felt like they were listened to by their medical aid. And the two named medical aids that came out through the survey were Discovery and Momentum. 
because they are the top guys and Discovery in particular, they were the majority. And um, it was very sobering, number one, to know that I'm not alone, but devastating to think that, and, and I applaud, I applaud Jules from Good Luck, well done on using her platform to come out, because it's a personal thing, a breast reduction, to come out and talk about that. I mean, even the photo that she put up after... She's sitting in her hospital bed, she's in recovery, and mm. I commented on that article that went out, the news article that actually you put out, Brent, on Good Things Guide, to say how incredibly happy and incredibly sad it made me, thrilled that someone who's got a platform would use their voice to bring about change and hopefully, which is exactly what has happened, Momentum is reviewing their policies and that is a huge step forward. But incredibly sad that if I just look at myself and the woman in this room and thousands of others who aren't named, who have been hammering on the medical aids doors for years, decades even, and, you know, Saskia will talk to <laughs> being banned from Discovery AGMs and, <laughs> I you, know, know more. you know, hashtag rogue woman here, but, you know, being shut down, normal women are not being heard. So, you know, my personal plea is, is if that you are someone with a platform and you have a voice and you've been through the fertility thing, I know it's a personal journey. But please speak up because the more voices we have, especially people that have profile, I'm telling you, this is not going to be rectified in my time. I'm not going to have to pay my fees, but I can't sleep at night seeing what close friends of mine are going through, what I'm dealing with, what our respective partners and families are going through. I cannot sit back and not be a voice that maybe brings about change for other women because, you know, we're not alone. So I'm going to love sharing this recording when we're done with the ex-Mr. South Africa, John Owens, who I've had on my show. Him and his wife had to recently go oh, through yes. infertility and he was quite public um, about it. Uh, they created a Facebook page so people could follow their journey and their sadness when, when things didn't go right. So I would love to, to share this with him as well so that he could listen to it. Saskia, I want to talk about being kicked out of the AGM. <laughs> How do you, you know, it's an AGM. I know, what right? did you What did you do? And I'm a member. <laughs> so I'm allowed to be there. What did you, did you have a placard? <laughs> <laughs> we brought a lot of proxies. That's what we did. So in 2013, that's actually how IFASA got started, the Infertility Awareness Association of South Africa. We stood up at the Discovery Medical Aid in 2013 and asked why infertility wasn't covered. We had a whole long speech. I've actually got it here somewhere. And we got it seconded by not our people, by other people. It was into review, but then it was just discounted because there wasn't enough people that wanted it. Anyway, so 2014, we went back with a hell of a lot of proxies. We spent months beforehand gathering these proxies and we took them in because you've got to take your proxies in so they can count them and they counted them and they weren't very happy. And we did stand, they still allowed us to stand up because we'd asked to beforehand, you get permission. And then afterwards, they asked us not to come back to an AGM. They would rather us talk to them behind closed doors. They don't public, which we did do. We did yeah, in that, 2015. That, just, that yeah. just annoys me already. I like, know. I'm all about open honesty. Yes. Why are you hiding? Yeah. Yeah. Man, come, come t- put it on the radio. Yeah. This, is a, this is a great medium to tell a story. Yeah. And um, it's quite fantastic when people do things publicly yeah. and a little bit more open because you realize that they ain't got nothing to hide. Exactly. And have you been to an AGM, Discovery AGM? There are lots of people at those things. They go, I think they go there for the free coffee, but <laughs> there are still lots of people there and they didn't like the stories that were being told because they're very emotive stories, you know? And they didn't like everybody hearing those stories, of course, because, you know, it makes them look bad. And then they asked you not to yes. come back. But they opened it, the door for us to have 
have talks. But are you allowed to go back to an AGM? You're just not allowed to talk yes, again. Yes, just not. They won't let. They won't let it be tabled again. They, sure. they, they won't. If I need to ask you, so I've never been to a Discovery AGM. I've never been to a Medical AIDS AGM. I don't like free coffee. It's normally bad. <laughs> all AGMs. Uh, all AGMs. You should see their new building. It's beautiful. <laughs> My question to you is when you were standing there all those years ago, um, the board that you were looking at, was it quite diverse? Yes. Okay. So yes. it's not, I mean, Jules in her, in the good luck example, Jules kind of goes, it's a bunch of men making decisions for women. So I don't yeah. know how true that is. And that's why I asked the question. Yeah. No, it is got, it's got medical professionals on the, on the board plus lay people. And some of them did ask questions to us and try to shut us down. The medical professionals mostly in the AGM themselves, but also it's full of public and the public get to second the motions, etc. But then the board get to say. The board are the <laughs> yes, ultimate findings the yeah. sign off. And they told us, I mean, we did meet with them in 2015. We were told they can't possibly fund a non-life-threatening disease as that would mean removing funding from actual life-threatening diseases. This is what they tell us word for word. And also when Jonathan Broomberg was caught on camera in 2008 on a documentary and he was asked, he was a risk manager at the time of Discovery. And he was asked why infertility is not covered. And he said it's because it lies between the balance between necessary and discretionary, which is why they don't cover it. And also, he added, because the success rates aren't very good. And so all the medical aides took a decision together not to spend any money on funding treatment. So I wonder if that indeed did happen, if all the medical aides did take that joint decision, because it is on the, all of the exclusion lists. And it's actually very hard to find, not just the call center people don't know. You go onto their websites. Oh, I went on to Bonitas's website, FedHealth, Momentum's. Type in search point fertility, nothing. nothing, nothing Sorry, nothing. no results. I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So if we can try compare apples with apples, which is really difficult in this circumstance. But how do we compare to the rest of the world? Parts of Europe give free treatments. America, some, in some states, their insurance covers it. In the UK, there's a postcode lottery. It's called that. It depends on where you live. You get between one and three, some get none, between one and three free IVFs. Um, so th- there are so, other parts yeah. of the world. And we've, the, the specialists here have actually taken that um, from the other parts of the world and all the stuff that came out of it. And they've gone back to the medical aids to show them how they can save money by putting terms and conditions in place. Mm. They can actually save money because when a couple is funding their own cycle, you're going to put as many embryos back as you are allowed to because mm. you are spending money on this stuff. So if they put resulting in multiple pregnancies, etc., and obviously the medical aides have to pay for NICU time, which can run into the millions. So if they put terms and conditions in place to put single embryos back, there'll be less multiple pregnancies, therefore less cost at the end. So they can actually save money and still they don't do it. I don't know if you know any stats on this or amounts, But if I had to take a woman who was dealing with this and didn't have the amount of money to go through these procedures, because they're going to rack up to the millions, as we know, and didn't have this money to sell their car and sell their house and, and really give their everything to try and fall pregnant. And then they get into a position where they are unhappy, depressed, and their life starts spiraling down. What sort of cost is that going to put onto a medical provider if someone is dealing with the other side of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean a lot because they, they offer you your 21 days in rehab for, for depression, etc. And those facilities cost a lot of money. So exactly right. So they, as you said with the back stuff, with the, with the breast thing, they, they're spending money on instead of changing their policies and saving money in the long run or, or saving the... It's a health scheme. And so it's actually... 
helping the health of their um, people. Every now and then you're going to hear a little cough in the background. <laughs> Lutzia is just dealing with a little bit of a cough. It's nothing serious. <laughs> Don't have to worry. There was something that I just wanted to add um, to what Saskia was saying is we are not a bunch of hormone-fueled women. Like, I'm woman, hear me raw, unreasonable, hyper-emotional, because I'm telling you that's what a lot of people are going to think. They'll be like, oh, my God, these chicks haven't read the fine print. That's not it. Exactly to the point that Saskia has made is this is a reasonable discussion. Infertility is diagnosable. It is not a, I didn't cook it up, and, oh, I'm suffering from infertility because I can't fall pregnant or because there's no inexplicable reason as to why my progesterone levels aren't what they should be. Should be. That's not what this is. If medical aids were to review they stand on this and they were to put in like Saskia said conditions to say right you have got to have been diagnosed you've got to be under the care of a specialist because I've got all of those things I've got four years worth of documents where I can show I've been at the same specialist the tests the ops the everything that sort of got me to the point that I am now surely if you are sitting there and you yourself have have been going through the process exactly actually like it is in the UK on the NHS if you can show and prove that you have been struggling to conceive for a year you are eligible for free IVF. That's how it works. So we're not asking for free. I'm not saying give it to me for free. I'm paying my premiums. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But I need to know that if I can show that I'm struggling with a medically diagnosed disease, <laughs> that there is going to be some degree of cover. And it can have caps and it can have thresholds like all of our existing cover does. But you cannot just ignore it. You cannot ignore it. It's not going away. As time goes on, there are more and more. Who knows, in a decade, that one in six couples could be one in three. And then when are people going to listen? Are we going to start listening when the suicide uh, rate increases because you feel like a complete and total failure or you have completely emptied yourself financially to try and make a dream possible? Am I then going to be told I'm unreasonable because all I want to do is be a mom? Yeah, it's t you know, the words are so powerful when you say it like that. But... There's always a butcher. Yes. We have good things to we talk do. about. And there is an expo that is coming yes. to South Africa for the first time in March. Um, it's all about fertility. And it's where women and men and couples and people that are interested and families that want to support each other. It's where they can go and get the information. They can meet like-minded individuals. They can speak to specialists and maybe even sign a proxy. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what's going to go on here, Saskia. What is this all about, this expo? The Fertility Show Africa. It's on, on the 6th and 7th of March. It's at Gallagher Convention Center in Midrand. There's going to be an expert talk zone, a support zone, which is so important when people are going through infertility. They'll learn stuff like coping skills, etc. in the support zone. The expert talks are going to cover all topics. Tash is going to speak in it. She's going to speak about her egg freezing journey. We are all speaking in it, yes. It's all I the part. <laughs> yes, Michelle. I hope, Lutia, I hope Lutia is better by then. I hope she's better by then, exactly. <laughs> and um, it's going to cover all pathways to parenthood. So it's not just for people that are going through infertility now. It's people that are planning their families so it's yeah, to show isn't something you exactly <laughs> if you're starting to think about having a family um, you must come to the show it'll teach you there'll be dietitians there the fertility astrologist is going to be there that is like the most amazing thing DNA people etc all the talks are going to be very very interesting and if you are going through infertility it'll obviously talk about IVF ICSI, male infertility female infertility adoption surrogacy everything but we're not just, it's not just for people that are going through infertility. If you have had endometriosis like Tash and you are now in your 20s and you're wondering, 
Is it going to hamper my chances of having a child? Come to the show. Speak to one of the specialists. You don't get a chance like this. I mean, when we were trying, if we didn't like the doctor that we were with, we had to go spend another 2,000 rand with another doctor to have another consultation just to find out that I don't actually like him either. So I want to go try the other clinics. There's another 2,000 rand. Whereas here, you can speak to the specialist. You can see the clinics. You can see if they resonate with you because you have to resonate with your doctor first to have the best success rate. So it's amazing. They do this in the UK every year. They do this in America. This is the first time it's coming here and we're very excited about it as I think hear. I think it is good things and I think everybody's standing up you've all got my dad always used to say uh, your opinion matters and your story is important mm-hmm. and I think sharing that opinion and that story with others is highly highly important we need to be sharing these stories talking about it more yes. uh, if it's something that people are not speaking about perhaps it's something that we need to start speaking about I've actually I, I'm gonna get um, you guys are fighting over the microphone <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> last time we were like <laughs> <laughs> the, the last time I had the ladies in the studio, everybody was so afraid of the microphone. And now they're like, give it here. We actually just, I just want to say very quickly, we want to invite representatives from all the open medical aid schemes to come to the Fertility Show Africa on the 7th, which is the Saturday. We want them to talk and to, to the couples and to us and to explain, or maybe you if you're going to come along, and explain um, their reasons behind why they exclude infertility. They need to speak face to face to the people that they are whose lives they are affecting. So, so So I know for a matter of fact, for a matter of fact, that um that people at Momentum and Discovery uh read Good Things Guy and do listen to my podcasts. Um, I do receive emails <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so, so I know that they're there. And if there's any other medical aids, um, I'm going to implore any of my, my listeners um, that are listening to the show, tag them. Yeah. Tag them and tell them yeah. to come down and have open discussions. It would be so forward thinking. It would be so 2020 yeah. to stand up and have open conversations. Exactly. Um, that would be quite exciting, actually. Michelle, you were trying to grab the mic. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, just uh, carrying on from what um, Madam over here was saying, Madam Speaker. We always view House of Fertility as a little mini expo, you know. On, so the expo is happening once a year, but on House of Fertility, you can get it every single day. Just to let all of our listeners know, House of Fertility is an amazing platform that you can find online. Yeah. It is a website, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. It's all over the place. They are there 24 hours a day to help you yeah. answer questions, point you in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, when I met with you ladies, it was almost a year and a half ago that yeah. we sat and we had dinner and we spoke about this incredible initiative that you wanted mm. to really push forward and put it out there for South Africans. Yeah. I was excited about it because you I were. know I know what women yeah. are going through and men yeah. are going through and couples are going through. So basically, like, you know, the doctors that we get to speak, we are, you know, you send in your questions, your queries and um, and we put the f- forward to the doctors and they answer your questions. So everything that you're hearing is specifically from the horse's mouth, so to speak. There's so much uh, misinformation on social media. So we we strive to actually not make that happen anymore. So the exp- all the experts that we have on, on House of Fertility are all going to be at the show as well. So it'll be great to actually put the face to the voices that you hear very 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 exciting i'm going to come to the show i'm going to be standing in the back row screaming <laughs> maybe not that would no. be a bit odd but i will be there and maybe i'll get a couple of interviews from um people at the show so we can do a follow-up to this podcast which i think will be quite rad i might just bring my whole desk and everything 
Yes, <laughs> definitely yeah. do it. I also wanted to say, Brent, one last thing, that people understand that couples going through infertility, they get stuck in limbo. Mm-hmm. So they don't buy a house if, they, if they're renting and they haven't owned a house before. They don't go up a level of house. They don't change their cars. They don't move up in their careers because they might need to take time off to go and do treatment or then they want the maternity benefits to come along with that job. They get stuck in this limbo. All of their peers move on and they, they, you get stuck behind your peers. And it's really quite, it's really, really difficult. And also their top professionals are in this age range of age of infertility. And they, the stress that the people go through when they're going through infertility, it affects their jobs. And if the medical aid took away some of that stress by funding some of the treatment, the economy would actually be boosted. It's Can as I simple as that. Just, a, just one last point on stress. The biggest joke is that, well, not a joke, the irony is that stress is a big contributing factor to infertility. It's, it's a big contributing factor to a lot of chronic diseases. And the, the saddest part is when you're going through all of this, the main thing your, your specialist is telling you, stay calm, relax, don't stress. And he's tot- he, she's totally right. And to Saskia's point, if my medical aid would just come to the party a little bit, it would be one less thing for me to stress about. And in a world where we want to put a positive spin on this as much as we can, we're giving it a voice. We want people to feel like you don't be ashamed that you're going through this. Know that you're not alone. But the medical aid groups are perpetuating the culture of shame. You're making me feel like there's something wrong with me because you will cover someone who has drunk themselves to a point of disrepair or who has unfortunately fallen into a drug addiction or all of these other awful things. You are covering certain things associating with that and you are ignoring me, which is further feeding into that thing in the back of your head, that voice that you're constantly trying to make shut up what is wrong with me why can't i do something that i'm supposed to be biologically designed to do Mm. we need to change that rhetoric and i hope that through conversations like this we do as we close out i'm going to ask each of you just where people can find you because obviously they want to come to the show they want more information they want to know where to go either to the house of fertility tashi if people want to get in touch and just your mind is like it's incredible so if they just want to have a chat if everybody can just give a quick this is how you get hold of us so i'm more than happy for anyone to pop me a message on facebook i think that's the easiest thing everyone's on facebook you can look for me natasha fagri if for freddie agri pop me a direct message i'll talk to anyone and i've kept every single person who's contacted me i'm giving them a voice without giving out their names because it's everyone's story is personal Get in touch. We can then exchange personal contact details. If I can go into the fertility show with even more, call it ammo, I'm happy to do it. But, you know, together, hashtag stronger together, for one of a better way of putting it. One million percent. Uh, Lucia Michelle, if people want House of Fertility, where do they go? What do they do? Okay. Uh, you can go to www.houseoffertility.org or you can email us on info at houseoffertility.org. For anything infertility related, it would be Lucia, L-U-C-I-A, at houseoffertility.org. For baby loss support, um, it'll be Michelle at houseoffertility.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. The same, House of Fertility, 100%. Saskia, if people want to get in touch with you and they want to sign your proxy and make their way into an AGM and just (laughs) hold their hand up, how do they do it? (laughs) 
We're on Facebook, um, Infertility Awareness Association of South Africa. Um, we're on we're website, IFASA, I-F-A-A-S-A. My email address is Saskia, S-A-S-K-I-A, and IFASA.co.za. The Fertility Show, you can find tickets on fertilityshowafrica.co.za. It's that easy. I need to say that um, the first time I had you in studio, it was quite morbid, and we were quite sad about what we were talking about. But I feel like today... Uh, what is it, two months later after I lost the show? <laughs> Everybody, everybody's human. Everybody's human. And it also wasn't me. It was really the technical team. You know, I'm going to write a letter to management. Um, I would say that I feel like I'm sitting across from a group of Sex and the City girls who have, have given each other support and love. And through, through this really hard time that many are going through, I see smiles and love and kindness. And that can only help each other. Um, yeah. And I think if there's more families, uh, men, women, people coming together and sharing that love and kindness, um, there'll be more people that will get through this incredible challenge together. And I think that's the beauty of this, is that um, there's a beautiful friendship here. It's, yes. it's really made me feel it's good. good. Things. It's good things. Good, good things, things. alright. Thank you for joining the Good Things Guy Jackpot. Thank you. It's been really, really rad. I'm going to push save, and I really hope that it does this time. <laughs> I'm Brendan DeCue, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy, and you've been listening to Good Things Guy, a Jackpot podcast. For more episodes or to subscribe, rate, or review my podcast, go to iTunes, Iona FM, or Google Podcasts. Be kinder than necessary to yourself and each other. Thanks, and only good things.